Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 60. These days, everyone is more connected than ever online, and, well, Royal Caribbean is included, too. I've invited my good friend Joe Tolley to come talk about Royal Caribbean social media presence and find out how my favorite cruise line ranks among others in the cruise industry. We'll look at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and other ways Royal Caribbean is using social media to connect with cruisers. Here we go. Joining me on today's episode is Joe Tolley from CruiseHangout.com. And Joe is just that guy I know from Twitter who is Mr. Social Cruise because Joe is big into social media and he's big into cruising. So it's like the perfect combination. Welcome to Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, Joe. Thanks, man. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. And I know that we're always – I always see you discussing with other people, our good friend Scott Sanders, and just in general what cruise lines are or aren't doing socially, be it on Twitter – Facebook, Instagram, there's so much going on these days. And I, I, I kind of find it very intriguing as just kind of a, a student of the art, so to speak. I like to see what other people are doing. You know, obviously helps me out from my own website. But I just like observe. I think it's a very interesting niche. What got you into the whole social media thing for you? Uh, actually, uh, I work in an advertising agency. And so I'm you know, very familiar with a lot of social media tactics you know, within our <laughs> social media group at work. Uh, I'm not uh, specifically involved in any of it, but, you know, I get in on brainstorming and things like that. Plus, I always like to try to keep on, you know, to see what's new in the social media area and to see, you know, how people, you know, either individuals or companies can and should or should not market themselves in the whole social media arena. Um, and then also as an advocate consumer, uh, I also have a bend a deer on what I don't like as far as being advertised to. So um, it's kind of a, a a good and a bad that I see both sides of it. Absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, it's such an interesting area of cruising because it's changed so much in the last couple of years. And, you know, I think really the genesis of the, the change, because social media started out like every other industry, I'm sure, it's just a marketing tool. That's all it yep. was. That's all, you know, and that's how it began. And I think really with that whole carnival thing with the, with the poop cruise, you know, yep. and the, and, and that changed a lot. And then actually Royal Caribbean had their own hand in it with grandeur of the seas is fire last year. That uh-huh. also changed a little bit of it. What's been your take on how cruise lines are using social media today versus maybe even just a year ago? Uh, well, definitely a couple of years ago, you know, I, I think everybody was kind of new to the, new to the scene, so to speak. And, you know, Unfortunately, since you still have big corporations in their hand, you know, with their hand in social media, they they can and you know say certain things and don't want to say certain things. So it's it's not really an open forum for them necessarily. And I think it really stung Carnival with the triumph because you know they were pretty much tight lipped during the whole situation. And I know that they had their PR team, you know, cranking in other areas, but they were basically getting killed on Twitter because they were just so completely silent. And as a matter of fact, I think. Uh, one of their like posts during that was basically a robot post, just about you know uh, a good deal. You know, come to you know Port Canaveral and you can have a good deal coming out of here at this price or whatever. And it was just you know pretty pretty bad tactics on their part, I think, just because they were just new to it and didn't know exactly what to do. Um, yeah. And then no, go ahead. No, 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 it's 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 an interesting just change in the dynamic, and I think these days that's. I think overall, everyone's gotten a little bit better at it. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, um, I did notice, I'm assuming it was probably because of that, but you were referring to the grandeur of the ceasefire. Um, I think they handled it pretty well. It seemed like they put out photos of it really quickly, you know, on Twitter and kind of kept everybody up to date, you know, 
basically saying we don't you know have exactly all the information right now, but this is what we do have, and just kind of had it out there um, yeah. because the it's, the biggest thing about social media is you know a conversation's happening about you, so it's a matter of do you want to join it or do you want to let it happen without you, um, and that's that's the good and bad of social media for uh, companies. It's interesting, Royal Caribbean, obviously, being this podcast, I focus most on Royal Caribbean, but you can give us some perspective here in terms of what the rest of the industry is doing because you follow it all. You know, it's interesting. I thought Royal Caribbean hit a home run with the grandeur of the ceasefire in terms of getting the word out there using social media. Yep. And then a couple months ago, there was an incident. There were two separate incidents that happened exactly at the same time. They had, I believe, there was an oil spill in Houston that blocked Galveston Port. Yep. And there was another I don't I forget, actually forgot what the other incident was. Regardless, I think it was involved, fog, wasn't it? Yeah, there was some oh, there was it was uh there was some issue that was going that regardless of what the issue was. The problem was they had they they really I felt like they really didn't do a very good job in that case. There was a lot of focus on them going on in terms of because it was a big deal, people getting stuck there. So their social media seems to ebb and flow, but I, they they've done better with it. And I think yep. one of the good one of the good things they I think Royal Caribbean does is I think they they do a pretty good job at responding. And Royal Caribbean has really two presences online. They have uh, they have Royal Caribbean on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean. That's like it's the official corporate one, but it's also one that's managed differently. Um, that one I from what I last I heard, this is earlier this year, it's actually an agency that manages for it. Royal Caribbean oversees it, but an agency does like the day to day grunt work, so to speak. Yep. And then they have Royal Caribbean PR which is a whole 100% Royal Caribbean. It's actually their public relations team, as the name implies. And yes. they're the ones who are putting out that information. Is this common tactic to have kind of a, a, a two different groups, so to speak, working together like that? Or is this, or is this more unique to Royal Caribbean? I, as far as companies in general go, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's tough to say because I, I have seen both areas, and I do know yeah. that uh, there are other cruise lines that do have multiple, uh, just for example, Twitter accounts. One's based on you know more PR and getting things out there, and then the other is more of the sales tactic and trying to you know just communicate you know with individual passengers. Um, but then there you know other companies, you know non cruise companies, they'll have a, a forward facing you know consumer Twitter handle, and then they also have a consumer um, or customer service Twitter ha- or Twitter handle as well. So it's kind of the same area. Um, but I think the important thing for you know Royal Caribbean and other cruise lines to have that separate PR Twitter handle is you don't necessarily want to you know follow press releases all the time and and news about a cruise. You want to see you know what's updated on the ships, you know what's going on with the quantum of the seas, and that's why you would follow the the more general one. But then uh, when something does happen, then that's when they. Uh, reverse gears and the more general one would direct everybody towards the PR one if they wanted general information about what's going on with you know a certain incident yeah no and I think you bring up uh, you mentioned something and I wanted to bring up which was this idea of one thing I think all the cruise lines have gotten the memo so to speak has been this idea of photos and utilizing lots and lots of photos because I think early on they were using a lot of stock photos for both every cruise line Royal Caribbean Disney carnival they were all basically using their stock photos and now they've really gotten big on using their their fans photos and this is interesting because they give an opportunity because photos for for and joe you i'm sure you you could give us a whole lecture on this how how engagement (laughs) in photos is is totally night and day different compared to just text so 
when you're looking at you know the, this kind of a renaissance in terms of not only just putting photos on but also using the their their fans photos so joe tell us a little bit more about what you're seeing in that as well um yeah definitely in the beginning everybody was using stock photos uh some of them even looked like they were <laughs> back from the 80s uh, <laughs> But you know that's kind of one of the important things about social media is a lot of people want to see their photos shared by the cruise lines. Um, and let's face it, whenever anybody calls out a cruise line, it's because they want that cruise line to either retweet them or comment back to them for whatever reason. And uh, so that's you know that, that's one thing that's very important is engagement and definitely know it is by sharing uh, all the passengers' photos. Not only that people get a real sense of uh, what things actually look like as opposed to the nice, polished, beautiful Photoshopped images that just look like it came from an ad agency. Interaction, because that's huge, I think, in social. That's what makes social media. And, you know, we talked about earlier how social media has kind of evolved a little bit from like, hey, here's marketing materials. You know, hopefully you'll book a cruise to being like, oh, hey, Joe. Hey, Matt. You know, we see you, you know, you tweeted us because you're booking a cruise or whatever. You know, why did you book this cruise or hope you have a great time? And that kind of experience, and you know, the different cruise lines handled. It. I mean, Disney is an example. They don't they don't retweet anybody, and they don't tweet anybody. They are just they put out photos and tweets and what have you, and that's it. It's a one way communication street. So they're kind of on polar opposites here. What's your take on kind of this, you know, interaction versus no interaction? Uh, definitely for the interaction. From what I've seen, Royal Caribbean, at least for the time being, is the best. Uh, celebrity and Norwegian both do a pretty decent job. I think Carnival's done a pretty decent job recently, um, but they also do a lot of heavy promotion themselves. I would love to see. Now, this would never fly because you have ad agencies, <laughs> you have multi millions of dollars. You're talking about multi million dollars. I would love to see an entire. Let's just start with a month of absolutely no promotion whatsoever, or no, no. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. No stock promotion whatsoever. And let's just go straight into social media the way it was intended to have communication uh, with fellow passengers, with uh, you know fellow follows, and stop trying to promote in a pretty fake way. But that'll never happen. But I would love to see that sometime. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, and that it kind of leads me into my next question because earlier this month, Royal Caribbean did something. They actually cut. They admitted to, which I'm surprised they even admitted to do it, but. There was a, for those who are aware, the Princess Cruises had a documentary in the UK called The Cruise Ship. And there was a couple of episodes. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. And I, there basically were a couple of episodes they put out. And like every TV show these days, there's a, there's a social component, right? They put out the hashtag in the upper left hand corner. They encourage people to tweet about what they're watching. Everybody does this now. But what Royal Caribbean did, and they admitted to this, was they were actually what the kids call, they were trolling the Twitter, <laughs> looking for people that were using the hashtag and tweeting them, telling them about booking a Royal Caribbean cruise. Now, this is, I think, first of all, I think this is genius because this is just great guerrilla marketing. What's your take on this? This is the first time I think we've heard about it. And on top of it, it's the first time I think <laughs> then they admitted to it, which is also, you know, it's kind of it's kind of refreshing, I think. But what's your take on on what Royal Caribbean did here? I think it was brilliant on <laughs> on a couple of fronts because I did see the show. Um, it wasn't exactly the best show I've ever seen. It, uh, <laughs> it it was basically four episodes of Princess Cruises advertising. Um, it was it, it was pretty bad actually. Um, but I went back and looked at some of the tweets that were go that happened during that, and they they were using the hashtag the cruise ship because that was the name of the show, and 
it didn't seem like they were getting a lot of action themselves. It's like a lot of princess people were retweeting each other and, and conversing about each other. And there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, there, you know, there was, you know, a, a few people doing it, uh, but, but for the fact that it was a TV show, there wasn't, it wasn't like it was uh, um, America, America's got talent or anything like that. Sure. Um, so just the fact that they jumped in and, tweets that stood out in my mind that I thought were great. Um, one, somebody just flat out said that it was a bad show and, 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 you know, made some comment about it. And so they, so Royal Caribbean immediately jumped on that and was like, well, you know, I I hope this doesn't, uh, uh, ruin your taste for the sea. And, and then, you know, gave them a link to something on Royal Caribbean. And then another one made some comment about, I guess something seedy happened on the show or, I don't know exactly what it was, but somebody made a comment about it not being a very family-friendly vacation after all. And then they immediately jumped on that and said, well, and I thought this was great. And they sent the, these people a link to a YouTube video um, of, of an actual family getting on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. And this, <laughs> this, this, was, this was all done with their UK Twitter handle, obviously, since this was a, 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 a European broadcast. Um, but I thought they, I thought they did a great job. Like I was talking about earlier about not promoing themselves too hard, but in this case, I thought it was great because they did completely hijack somebody else's, somebody else's uh, hashtag. But uh, it, you know, and in, in return, princes could have handled it better. You know, they could have, you know, gotten into the game and you know uh, promoted exactly what they're all about. Which you know, I, I don't know exactly what it would be, but they could have accused you know Royal Caribbean of being the amusement park on the seas or something like that, and tried to <laughs> differentiate themselves. But you know, they completely kept quiet on that because I, I don't think they expected it. Yeah, it's it I, again. It was it was something that we never seen before, and I I think it, again I was surprised by two things: first that it happened, and second that Royal Caribbean admitted to it. And you know, it's it's I think it's for the best though, because again, like you said, it's about interaction, right? It's this idea that you can be you know just this guy who you know some somebody who you know takes a cruise every now and then or what have you, and a company like you know a huge company like Royal Caribbean will reach out to you and be like, hey, you know. It's something small like hey take a look at this YouTube video that you know you might you might find interesting or you know share or, you know ask them ask you to share more about why you booked the cruise they often do that you know why'd you pick that cruise and it's, it makes people feel special I think and that in yep. itself you know helps build loyalty and I and this is what I'm hoping like you said that this is the the next evolution of social media that it's not just marketing materials it's not just a front for their 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 marketing department now this is an opportunity for them to really interact and and be a, a you know, make the experience more interactive, really. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that really drives me crazy is, and everybody does it. Nobody's uh, ever, I mean, everybody's guilty of it is they'll, you know, put out a beautiful picture and say, retweet if you'd rather be here than at work right now. And it drives me crazy because I think it's horrible, but then they get like 50 retweets. And I, <laughs> Dude, I, I, I totally understand that. It's like, what are you retweeting? <laughs> what do you think you're going to get a free cruise? It's like, what are you doing? But if somehow it works, but, um, it's that you know that that stuff's just too cheesy for me. That's not what Twitter's supposed to be there for. I take the fifth on this one. I'm not. I'm not going to incriminate myself. <laughs> All I'll say is that it works great. But yeah, it's uh, it is cheesy. No question about it. But alas, it, that's human uh, interaction, right? That's just figuring out what people do, and I guess people like being told what they want to do. I guess let me uh, rephrase that. When you're paying an ad agency millions of dollars a year, <laughs> fair enough. You should you should offer more than that. <laughs> 
Last thing I wanted to also bring up, of course, I know you've been following a lot of the things going on in Quantum of the Seas. Royal Caribbean's brand new ship and a lot of technology coming on board. And they're really pushing the internet on board and be giving it high speeds. They're saying that you'll be able to stream Netflix, uh, you know, to tweet photos, tweet videos. I mean, what's your take on what, what Royal Caribbean's direction is with this? Because I just see this as a huge opportunity for Royal Caribbean to get people online during the cruise and share their vacation. So it's not just a, yeah, I went on a cruise and that's like you know, having a conversation. They want people to be, you know, inundated, if you will, with photos for people on their friends on cruises and be like, wow, that looks a lot of fun. I should probably go check that out. Yeah, uh, of course, I'm looking at it from, from an advertising standpoint. I've always thought, and you know, I'm, I'm asking for the impossible, but I've always thought the first cruise line to have legitimate broadband on their ship and off will completely kill it in the advertising market because you'll have everybody you know, tweeting on Facebook, you're doing everything constantly. Um, and you know, for me personally, if I see, for example, Royal Caribbean uh, showing a photo, you know, a pristine photo from Labadee, um, you know, whatever, it's a promo piece. But if I see a friend of mine who I actually know, you know, showing a vine as they're going down the zip line in Labity or something like that, I want to be there. And then I'm, now I'm just mad. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, to op- to be able to open that up to, you know, essentially every passenger would be tremendous. And obviously it's a great start. You know, you're going to have to pay for internet because it's not free. Um, but, you know, to open it up and to have high speed the way it is, I mean, that's a great start. And then there's going to be a ton of people that jump on the internet package. Um, just for that purpose, because I think a lot of people even want to have bragging rights when they're out on the seas. Hey, look at me. Look where I am. Look where you're not. Um, at least that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> so, I, yeah, I think it's a home run. And then you know, also thinking of it from the um, standpoint of Royal Caribbean, I think it's a great opportunity for them. You know, I have no idea if they have this in the hopper, but I would stick, you know, they've got webcams on all their ships. I would put, you know, live streaming cams on their ships now. Because how cool would it be instead to see a picture every one minute of the boardwalk on Oasis or Allure to actually have streaming video of people walking by or every now and then have streaming video of, you know, a snippet of one. We can't do the shows because of copyright, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, of of bingo or, you know, any of the other, you know, softer shows that they have on the ship just kind of give people uh, a taste of what, you know, cruise life really is except for like a documentary in other countries. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think there's a huge opportunity, you know, obviously it also opens it up for the ability for the Royal or the social media team for Royal Caribbean to actually be on the ships and, you know, to tweet to Facebook, to do everything live from the ships. I think that's one place that all the cruise lines are missing out on is it seems like there should be somebody on that team on a ship somewhere out in the world the entire year just so you can constantly see you know, true live updates of somebody actually doing something because they have so many followers and you know they're not leveraging that to their fullest right now, I think, because I think a lot of people would really appreciate experience over um, you know, promotion anytime. Absolutely. Well, Joe, a pleasure to have you on here. Some good stuff, and uh, I think we'll have to have you back when because obviously things are always changing here in social media. And, of course, we want to remind all of our listeners that they can check out your stuff, Joe, at cruisehangout.com. And I encourage you to check out Joe's Twitter. It's always a good read for what's going on there in the, in the <laughs> cruise industry as it relates to social media. So, Joe, thanks again. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. It's time to read your emails. And before we do that, I always want to make sure I thank our listeners, all of you. I consider my friends for being a part of this podcast each and every week. It's such a pleasure. And this is why I really love this section of the podcast because we get a chance to talk Royal Caribbean together. And our first email this week 
comes from Christopher Percy, who writes in episode 57 about old San Juan. San Juan, Puerto Rico is one of my favorite spots to visit, either for an extended stay or fly in a day or two early and explore before taking a cruise. The people, cuisine, sites, and of course, the Bacardi Distillery Tour is not to be missed. You're right, Christopher. I did, I did that Bacardi tour as well. It's pretty cool. It's basically an excuse to drink a lot of rum, essentially. I think we got there in the morning, and they gave you coupons, essentially, for a couple drinks right off the bat. You get to sample some rum as you go through the tour. And, you know, it's something different, certainly. If you're not looking for a beach day, you don't want to walk around necessarily the hilly areas of San Juan. This is a good option. So, good point, as always. Thank you, Christopher. Next, we have an email from Lisa. I really enjoy your podcast. We've been traveling several cruises for a while. Navigator of the Seas was our sixth cruise this past spring. The company I work for makes many of the menus you see on board Royal Caribbean, and I'm always excited to see them on board. I actually have a comment about an excursion I did in Jamaica, Falmouth. I have been on many excursions, but never booked through the ship. The excursion I did this past spring was so incredible, I'd love to pass the word on to your listeners. We opted for the Liberty Tours to go to the Secret Falls with Richard. I've been to Dunn Rivers Falls, and this was much better. I may not, I have no tie to this company, and I just want to make sure that other people know how great it is. Richard was great with all ages in our private party. He knew everything about Jamaica. He was flexible, and the waterfall experience was amazing. He also took us to an authentic lunch, just wanted to pass the word. I've read that some people don't even get off the ship in this port because there isn't much to do. And the website, if you're interested, is libertytoursjamaica.com. Anyhow, thanks again for the show. I hope when you cruise Quantum, you enjoy the menus. Awesome, Lisa. Good to know that you and your company are, have a little bit of Royal Caribbean in you. And, of course, on top of that, the I love the excursion suggestion because one of the things I love doing on cruising, obviously, is taking shore excursions. And I love suggestions for shore excursions that are unique, creative, and a little bit off the beaten path. And this sounds like another great one. So I might have to check this out the next time we're in Falmouth. Thank you, Lisa. Next, we have an email from Heather, my fiance, soon to be husband, and I are taking a Navigator of the Seas cruise out of Galveston in October. I was reading your blog, and we're taking the same trip that you did in February. This is my first time my fiance has been on this cruise, and the first time I've ever taken a Royal Caribbean cruise. Could you clarify a few things for us that we don't seem to find answers for online? For the different beverage packages, is the Royal package worth it? It's one that includes soda, juice, virgin cocktails, coffee, tea, and bottled water. We are concerned about lines to get drinks and about how much of a pain it could be. We drink a lot of water, and the water bottle package is really expensive. So we were thinking of bringing empty water bottles with us and filling them up on the ship. Is that possible and okay? So you're talking about the Royal Replenish packages, which is one of the unlimited beverage packages that Royal Caribbean offers for you. These days, the package goes for $20 per person per day, and you're absolutely right. It comes with things like premium coffee, premium tea, bottled water, sparkling water, still water, fresh squeezed orange juice, non-alcoholic cocktails, and a fountain soda with souvenir Coca-Cola cup as well. So this is a common question again. Is it worth it? And this really comes down to very much a personal thing. Do you drink a lot of soda? Do you drink a lot of water in your case? Sounds like you drink a lot of water. And if you're drinking, and it might mean a lot of water, you're probably going to go through three, four bottles a day in addition to having fresh squeezed orange juice, in addition to maybe having a coffee during the day. I mean, if you're getting to the point where you're having a number of drinks and, and to make your money's worth, you really have to have probably in the ballpark of five to seven drinks, depending on which ones you choose from to really quote unquote break even. Otherwise you're better off just paying cash and you'll save money in the long run. And a lot of this also is on top of it. You have to figure out, well, how many days I'm going to be on the ship? Because don't forget, you're not going to have a chance to use the package when you're in St. Martin, because obviously the vendors on the Island don't use that package uh, card. So it's not really going to help you. So the package definitely is better for itineraries that have a lot of sea days or more sea days. And it's great for if you really need, are going to be taking advantage of it a lot. So 
if you're the kind of person who, and it sounds like maybe in this case, Heather, you want to grab a couple of bottles of water. Don't forget, you need one package per person. So you and your fiance are going to need a package for each of you. So that's, you know, so as long as you're both grabbing a couple of bottles of water, uh-huh. that theoretically could work. Again, it kind of it all comes down on you. And when I'm talking about all this, I'm sure there's something going through your mind like right now. Like, yeah, Matt, I definitely drink that much or, oh, no way. We'd maybe drink like two bottles of water a day and maybe have a coffee and that'd be it. Well, you know, if you're basically forcing yourself to drink, it's not worth it. And you're better off just paying cash. Now, the other question was about the lines. The real lines are more for the alcohol, unlimited alcohol packages. And and this is really, really, I wouldn't even be concerned about even that. They're more at the pool bars. Typically, what happens is people get the packages, hang out at the pool a lot. And the pool bars only have a certain amount of staff. And that's where the lines mostly develop. Other places around the ship, the I think the lines, quote unquote, aren't that bad at all. But it's more relatively speaking, and I wouldn't really worry about it. For, the, for your packages, you'll be fine. I mean, unless you're really looking to get a lot of virgin daiquiris out of the package and you'd be hanging out at the pool bar you might experience this kind of line especially during the middle of the day but uh, i don't think it's really something that i would worry about again if you feel like you can handle that amount of drinks every day for the entire part of your cruise totally worth it heather writes out also is there any way to find a more detailed itinerary about what will be happening on the ship online somewhere we're making reservations at the different specialty restaurants you recommended and want to make sure we aren't missing out on anything special so I think you're talking about, Heather, in this case, the Cruise Compass, which is, of course, is the daily newspaper Royal Caribbean distributes each day in your cabin. Actually, the night before in each cabin, you get the next day's Cruise Compass and tell you what's going on in terms of what activities, specials, shows, whatever is on going on on the ship. That's your way of figuring out what's going on there. So that's going to be the best way for you to figure out what else is happening on the ship. There's a lot, really, and everyone's got different things that they're interested in. I certainly have talked a lot about the specialty restaurants. You're going on Navigator of the Sea, so Sabor, I love that place. Chops is a great restaurant as well. And in, in addition, I mean, you have Izumi Sushi, which I absolutely love, Giovanni's Table, oh, so good. There's so many, I, I, I've only talked about food so far, and it's like, <laughs> but there's a lot more than that, right? You've got a lot of great shows. The ice skating show is quite good. You have the stage shows, the parade on the promenade. There's a lot going on, so you need to make sure you're keeping track of it. My advice is, we always do this, we get back to the stateroom at night. You know, this is when you're done for the night, you're, you're retiring to your cabin, so to speak, and you pick up the compass, and you and your fiance look it over and see what's, you know, of interest to you for the next day. Maybe even highlight a couple things or make a mental note, and then the next day you carry it with you in your pocket, and you have no idea, you have an idea of what's going on. Heather, also, right, sorry to bombard you with the newbie questions. If there's a place online you would recommend me looking to get my answers, please share. Heather, first of all, I love answering these kind of questions. This is the kind of, this is what this podcast was made for to help others plan their cruises. And I'm happy to help whether you have a brand new question like, like these, which are perfectly fine, or you have a more veteran question. No problem at all. We're here to help. And of course, Heather, if you really want to get into it, and I think it's a lot of fun also, I would highly recommend the Royal Caribbean blog message boards, which of course, Royal Caribbean blog. Dot com And you'll see the link right there on the very top for message boards and join there. It's a great community of very, very helpful people. And you can ask all the questions you want. Although, please keep me in mind. Keep sending me emails here because I love hearing about planning your cruise. And, and certainly if anybody can help here with, with suggestions for Heather, we're all ears for that as well. Let's round out our emails this week with an email from Dennis, who's going on Grandeur of the Seas. Hi, Matt. Going to be going on a cruise in a couple of weeks. I was wondering what you recommend to do in Kings Wharf in the Bahamas. I think he means Bermuda because Kings Wharf is in Bermuda. Thanks for all the great shows. And I also know that Grandeur of the Seas goes to Bermuda and not the Bahamas. Well, maybe it actually does go to the Bahamas. But I'm assuming you mean Kings Wharf, Bermuda. <laughs> and in which case... If you're talking about going to Bermuda, there's really a couple of major things you're going to want to do, first and foremost. So the big thing, of course, is Horseshoe Bay. It's a beautiful beach. 
in Bermuda that you can go to. It's one of those top beaches in the world. It's a must-do. And since you're going to be there probably for at least one or two nights, I'm going to guess at least two nights, usually they have a couple days you spend there, then you're going to want to make sure you get that. The thing is, you're going to want to make sure you get there early. Now, there's two ways to travel in Bermuda, really. You can either take the bus or you can take a taxi. Unfortunately, taxis are very expensive. But if you're if you're Mr. Moneybags, well, more power to you. Take a taxi. It'll be very simple. The thing is, they have buses that are actually very inexpensive, but it's taking a bus. You have to go get a tokens or whatever the bus pass. I forgot how what it, I, I forget how you pay for the bus, but I'm sure you can uh, figure that out there uh, on the island. Anyway, the bus picks you up, does a number of stops along the way, and then finally gets to Horseshoe Bay where all the tourists get off. And, and you go right there, get off, and enjoy the day at your beach, and then you reverse it when you're coming back. It can get crowded with the buses, and there's only so many buses, and as I recall, the air conditioning wasn't great on the bus, but it's a bus, and it costs a fraction of what the taxi costs, so just keep that in mind in terms of what you have to do uh, for going there. That's by far the most awesome thing you can do. The other thing that's an option for you as well is there are certain resorts that allow you to have day passes, and we did this as well in the in Bermuda. I almost said the Bahamas now. Thanks for getting me on that, Dennis. Um we did a day pass at one of the resorts. You can just Google Bermuda Resort Day Passes. They're basically hotels that have their own beaches and their own facilities, and you get to use it. For us, it was great because we got a chance to be able to use the pool, use the beach, have somewhere air-conditioned to sit in. They had a restaurant on site. It was really nice, and you know, beautiful beaches in Bermuda are, are quite a number of them, right? And this was definitely one that was good about that. The other thing, by the way, about the horseshoe... Bay, uh, a suggestion I had earlier was the great thing about this is the water is very calm. In fact, there's a little inlet there that's perfect for little kids. We brought my daughter, who at the time I think was like one or two, maybe, and she loved it because there was just it's like pool water and on that side of it, so it was beautiful. But it's a great beach nonetheless. The other thing you could do is you can take these little—they're not little actually—they're they're these speed ships, uh, hydrofoils maybe is the word for them, catamarans. I don't know what they're called. They're boats that go. They're ferry services that go from where you're docked over to Hamilton. Hamilton is the big city in Bermuda. It's great for going out in the evening. I love going there. We did a dinner over there. It's just great to walk around. It's a beautiful little city. There's a lot to do. And again, there's that ferry that goes right from where you dock over to Hamilton. You'll see the signs there. You can't miss it, trust me. And it's pretty inexpensive, actually. I think there are unlimited hours, so you can't like go there at 7 o'clock and then just come back whenever you feel. I think the last ferry may not be until not much longer after 7 o'clock, so you'd either have to take a taxi back or you'd have to be arrive earlier and, and plan to be out of there faster but that's definitely something to do in king's wharf bermuda have a great time i think you're gonna enjoy it a lot and of course i want to thank everybody again for checking out the royal caribbean blog podcast thank you so much thank you for the great emails and uh, that'll do it for us today so until next time i'm matt hotchberg and we'll talk again soon